Australian True Crime, the nation's leading independent true crime podcast, is hitting the road with our live show. We're coming to Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane this July and tickets will be available starting May 10th at 9.30am sharp. They sold out in two hours last time, so do not dilly-dally. We know the suburbs of Australia are teeming with some of the most intriguing and chilling true crime stories the world has ever heard. Don't miss the chance to dive deeper and get involved with a live Q&A. With over a million and a half downloads monthly, these tickets will sell out. So keep an eye on our social media pages and check the podcast bio for direct links to purchase yours as soon as they're released on Friday, May 10. I can't wait to see you there. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. This is a true crime podcast, as the title suggests. So please consider this your warning, that it's not suitable for children. And it probably will contain content that may be triggering to some people. Also, it's an Australian true crime podcast. So Australian Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander listeners should be aware it may contain the voices of deceased people. The producers of this podcast recognise the traditional owners of the land on which it's recorded. They pay respect to the Aboriginal elders past, present and those emerging. In the last episode of Australian True Crime, our guest Aman Abrimzadeh told the story of his childhood and adolescence. It was an existence characterised by fear and violence, in which he, his sisters 
and their mother eventually made a pact never to allow anyone to be left alone with his father. The patriarch of the family ruled with violence and financial control. Nevertheless, Aman's mother and her children did escape with nothing but a few clothes, and they began to create a new life for themselves while hiding in the Adelaide suburbs from his father and his extended family. After several years, his mother worked up enough courage to attend a cultural event, the Persian New Year celebrations at the Adelaide Exhibition Centre, with hundreds of other people, believing she'd be safe in such a large crowd. But later that night, Aman was woken by a terrible phone call. He was told his father, who'd also attended the event, had stabbed his mother. Because I was woken up by the phone call, I thought, this is, this is the dream. I'm dreaming. But you, you know, autopilot kicks in. So I grabbed my jacket, I grabbed my keys. I was still on the phone and, and I remember saying, you know, is there an ambulance there? What's happening there? Is there someone that can help her? Is she conscious? My sister's friend said, um, we've called an ambulance, but there's no ambulance here yet. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll call an ambulance. So I remember I hang up, I went into my youngest sister's bedroom and I, and I woke her up. I said, you need to get ready. We need, we need to go. Something has happened. I didn't tell her anything else. I walked out of the room while she was, uh, you know, changing out of her, her pajamas and uh, walked into the family room. And I remember I called Triple R and I asked for an ambulance and I explained to them a story where I said, uh, a stabbing's taken place. There's a 44-year-old woman that's been stabbed. I'm not sure what her condition is. Do you have an ambulance on the way? And, and all I remember is my young sister, she broke into tears when she heard that. And at the time, I just had to, I had to continue to move because every second that I spent in the house was a, was a waste of time for me. And I remember I, we jumped into the car and I parked in a place where I wasn't supposed to park. And I now, I now recall it was right in front of our parliament house where it's a permit zone, you're not supposed to park there. I parked there and I ran into the convention centre in my, in my trackies. And I remember there were these two, these double doors. And the people that were coming out of this function room, it was like, I, I felt like a fish swimming upstream because there were people pouring out of this function room and I was trying to get in there. And while I was trying to do that, I was bumping into friends that I had not seen for a long time, for a year or two, because we had essentially gone into hiding. And they were saying hello to me. I was saying, hey, what are you doing here? Why are you dressed like this? So I went into that room and 20 meters ahead of me, I can see my, uh, my mum's lifeless body. Uh, I can see the Ambos had just gotten there because they were essentially setting up. And when I saw that, and, and it was, um, you know, uh, something inside me, because what, what I essentially saw was my mum in a pool of her own blood on this bit of the carpet. And I remember I looked at the carpet, and it was grey carpet, and the carpet was just like black. It was like dark red. And I saw that, and I, I felt lightheaded as if I was, I was going to pass out. And I thought, again, my younger sister came to mind, and I thought, no, I better, I better go and... Um, go and attend to her. So I saw that 
I automatically turned to my younger sister and I saw she was outside the function room and she was trying to make her way in. And I thought, no, there's no way. I don't think she should see this. So uh, I uh, went to her. I took her outside. By that time, I saw my older sister and a, and a, and a few other uh, of, of her friends. They all came outside. And we were all, all the guests were essentially escorted into another, another function room. And that's when, you know, we were in that function room for, uh, I don't know, maybe half an hour or so until they could get her out of that room and until they could set up the crime scene, so to speak. And I remember even at, at one point, you know, when we were told to go into this other function room to be away from the, from the main, main function room where the incident had happened, I remember talking to, uh, he would have been one of the, the detectives, I demanded to see my dad. And he said, you can't see him. And I said, well, I want to see him. He's my dad. So I've got every right to see him. And I was very angry and, and irrational to the point that I actually grabbed his collar and I was forceful. And I said, I said, take me to my dad. There's nothing you can do about it. I'm going to go see him if you're not going to take me to him. He grabbed me firmly and he said, listen, mate, I suggest you control yourself and calm down, go for a walk, because if you continue to behave like this, I will have you arrested. And that sort of you know brought me back because I thought, oh, Shit, I can't go to prison. Like, what about my sisters? We got taken to the hospital, and uh, I remember. Uh, so my mum was uh, my mum was taken to the ICU, but by then she was uh, there was a um, I think may, he may have been a doctor or a nurse. He came up to us and said, "Listen, um, we're going to take your mum into uh, into the theatre. Uh, she's lost a lot of blood. Uh, the the injuries uh, uh, are severe." Uh, but we will do everything uh, we can to try and stop the bleeding and to try and essentially keep her alive. My younger sister and I went back home because I wanted to make sure that, you know, if we go back home, we can maybe pack some clothes, maybe, you know, freshen up a little bit and, and essentially go back to the hospital. I called a friend. This is 12.30, 1 o'clock um, in the morning. Uh, I said, oh, yeah, we'll take my younger sister to, to your house. They took my younger sister away. I went into the hospital. When I went into the hospital, I saw the doctor delivering the news to my sister and I was at my mum had passed. Took a minute to, to try and digest it. And from there, once that happened, we had to go through the process of identifying the body. <clears throat> and I remember um, we were taken into this room. There was a curtain and a, and a window. And so they said, when you're ready, pull the curtain aside and we'll just get you to identify the body. And so the curtain was pulled aside and I saw, again, it was the same thing. It was my mum's lifeless body that was just on a hospital bed with a, with a tube still stuck to the side of her mouth and that was taped to the side of her face. It was uh, in 2012, just over two years after the incident, when we had the murder trial. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to Monday.com. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Everyone was looking forward to uh, having him cross-examined. Uh, and, and, I, and I have to say, uh, the lead prosecutor was... I actually bumped into her um, a couple of months ago. She's now a Supreme Court Justice, and she is an absolute gun. And she went hard and she cornered him. And you know what? He would have hated it even more that he was being cross-examined by a female lawyer. It was, I think, it, it was the fourth day of him being cross-examined. So the cross-examination process is a, is a tiring one. So for me, and say, for example, for me and my older sister, because we were two key uh, witnesses, in terms of painting a picture of who my dad really was behind closed doors at home, I was on the stand for one one full day, and that was you know, that takes that takes a lot out of you being being cross examined. So for him to be cross examined for four days, I can just imagine he would have he would have been tired, he would have been exhausted, and he um, uh, yeah he threw the towel in. And I remember we we were on a on a lunch break, and Sandy the prosecutor came to us and said. Listen, we have been told that there is a possibility of your dad changing his plea and he's going to throw in the towel. And I said, ah, the, the charge was murder and it pleaded not guilty. So he, he changed his plea to guilty. What a relief. So that saved you however many days or weeks of the rest of the trial? Yeah, that probably saved us a couple of weeks. Then a month or so later, the sentencing took place. Uh, it was given 26 years. Wow. With a minimum? 26 years minimum. Wow. Yeah. That's massive. That's a long sentence, isn't it? But he did appeal. God. He did, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We, we didn't put it past him. We said, yeah, you know, you, you're going to appeal. And, and and he did, but it didn't go anywhere. Uh, it sort of died down. And then the next thing for us was the coronial inquest. So what are they looking into? They're looking into whether or not your mum was let down by... By the system, essentially. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's what they, yeah, that, that's essentially what they did. I think there were probably a few things that led to a coronial inquest. One was that there was uh, there was an internal investigation conducted by SA Police. To their credit, they conducted this investigation. They came back with a number of findings, a number of recommendations which they implemented. But also my public commentary around us, the the children, uh, and and my mum. We saw this incident coming. We reported it to the police. And these were all public comments made made by us once the trial finished. So when the conviction was done, then I was able to make some comments because up until then I wasn't able to speak about this publicly. 
so when the conviction took place, I made uh, some of those comments in terms of, uh, you know, we we'll, were we'll let down by the system and uh, and the fact that we could, we actually did see this murder coming and we warned the authorities and there was nothing uh, adequate being done about it. You have spoken out and you've continued to speak. You've decided to work in this space and to become an advocate. And in fact, is that why, sir, you were awarded an Order of Australia medal? Uh, yes, I would say so. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, given given my advocacy in the space. Um, it's awarded for service worthy of particular recognition. That's the official sort of blurb as to why people get these. Um, so you are uh, OAM, goes after your name or before your name? What's the after official? After the name, yes. After your because, name? Because my surname isn't long enough, I could do with three other letters. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Absolutely. Let's get some more letters going there. Yeah. Um, so... Tell us, what is your work? What have you chosen to do? I guess it's probably it probably took years to distill, you know, in your mind and practically what you wanted to do in this space and where you wanted to place yourself. So where are you with that now? To be honest, I never saw myself doing any sort of work in this space. And, and even to this day, my nine-to-five is not in this sector at all. I, I work in design and construction. I'm a project manager. That's what I do uh, for, for a living, so to speak. But the work that I do uh, in the family domestic violence prevention sector uh, has, has sort of led me to, to a number of different places. One of those things is back in 2015, we essentially, alongside my sisters, established a not-for-profit organization called the Zara Foundation. We named it after my mum. And we decided to focus on, I guess, you know, we work in the post-crisis sphere. And that means that when women, just like my mum, uh, go through the crisis service, where they have just left an abusive relationship, they need a home, uh, they need some help with be it family court or getting a restraining order in place. Everything you guys needed, everything you guys needed when you were in the car, when you'd made that first brave dash out of the house and then you started to see all those obstacles. Correct, Yeah. correct. So we, we went through the, the crisis service and the crisis services do a fantastic job and we wanted to, we wanted to come along and compliment what they do. So when we left the safe house to go into a private rental and to essentially move on and, and rebuild our lives, that's the post-crisis phase and that's the, that's the space that the foundation plays in. And we, we decided to focus on finances because if you, if you remember, one of the challenges we faced was facing poverty. Finances became a huge issue for us. So we decided to uh, uh, focus on that financial literacy uh, and economic empowerment is essentially what the foundation does. And we've got a number of uh, initiatives um, that we use to, to support our uh, clients. Because you, you know what happens when, when something like this happens to you, you lose all hope and you lose all faith. And to be able to dream again, to have some hope, that's probably the thing. You know, There might not be nothing there, but at least you're feeling hopeful. At least you know, hey, things are looking up and I will get this. Not now, not next week, not next month but soon enough I will have this. Oh, it's such a positive thing. And I know that not every family surviving trauma, homicide, I know not every family can do this. This is not how every family grieves, but you guys are, are doing something so positive in your mum's name, literally in your mum's name. This is amazing. Oh, I'm getting emotional. It's oh. so beautiful. Well done. Thank you to our guest, member of the Order of Australia, Aman Abrimzadeh. On behalf of Australian true crime listeners, we've donated to the Zara Foundation, which Aman founded in honour of his mother. And there's a link in the show notes to this episode and also on our Facebook page, 
to help you if you'd like to do the same. If you need support after listening to this podcast, you can call Lifeline on 13 11 14 or contact 1800RESPECT on 1800 737 732 or 1800respect.org.au. Indigenous Australians can contact 13 Yarn on 13 9276 or 13yarn.org.au. Thank you for downloading this episode of Australian True Crime. We'll be back next week. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Australian True Crime, the nation's leading independent true crime podcast, is hitting the road with our live show. We're coming to Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane this July and tickets will be available starting May 10th at 9.30am sharp. They sold out in two hours last time, so do not dilly-dally. We know the suburbs of Australia are teeming with some of the most intriguing and chilling true crime stories the world has ever heard. Don't miss the chance to dive deeper and get involved with a live Q&A. With over a million and a half downloads monthly, these tickets will sell out. So keep an eye on our social media pages and check the podcast bio for direct links to purchase yours as soon as they're released on Friday, May 10. I can't wait to see you there.